ministry in the church can be life-giving and life-changing. And in the midst of it, we all need faithful companions along the road. Welcome to Along the Road, a podcast on faith and leadership for ministry leaders of the PCUSA. So you're a church leader serving as a ruling elder or a deacon, but you also have almost a dozen other roles, sibling, parent, friend, biker, landscape architect, chauffeur, builder, grocer, fill in the blank. Come join us in the midst of your day, wherever you are, to be inspired in your role in the church, become nourished, and renew your call. Formation as a leader doesn't happen all at once. So let's walk along this road together. I'm Martha Miller, and I'm excited to travel on this journey with you. I also get to be the first to welcome you to the second season of Along the Road. We loved the first season so much that we're back with you. And we're starting anew with an exciting episode. Rachel Pedersen, who serves as Associate for Children and Family Ministry at Bryn Mawr Presbyterian Church in Pennsylvania, is joining me. And I am thrilled to introduce you to a creative ministry of which she is a part. Before we dive in, Rachel, is there anything else you'd like others to know about you as an introduction? I live and work outside of Philadelphia, but I grew up in Idaho. I served a church in Indiana. And so living in a P state is a big jump for me, but (laughs) it is exciting to be here with you today, Martha. Thank you for the invitation. Excited to talk to you today. I assume that most of our listeners are adults. And while some of us may be around children in our homes or with our relatives or in our communities, as someone who is in intentional ministries with young ones, can you tell us a bit about how children are important to you and to the church? I grew up in a phenomenal congregation that um, found space for young people to be different kinds of leaders and One of the first places I was able to volunteer was in children's ministry as a youth. And I remember the opportunity I had going into those classrooms where I got to articulate my faith for the first time and had these wonderful co-learners with me. While I was learning to speak my faith, they were learning their faith. And as they were learning, I was learning. And that give and take is it's amazing um, because I haven't stopped doing it since I was, uh, I think my first class I had, I was 12 and um, I am significantly older than that now. <laughs> Some of my first, my first uh, three-year-olds are now like, I don't know, grownups somehow. I'm not sure how that happened, right. but with each class and every year, that opportunity to be present with children exactly as they are as three or five or 10 or 14 but also to see what is becoming with them um, Mm -hmm. has shaped my ministry. They keep me on my toes every single week. They force me to be in the word because if I think I know a Bible story, they make me, they make me revisit it and make me know it on a, on a different and deeper level. And so I think they, they call us to be faithful. They call us to be joyful and they call us to remember like the incredible presence of God right now. So that, that is the gift of children's ministry. I may have one of the best jobs in the entire world. So I can feel your radiance um, just through your excitement about it. So thank you for that. As a part of your ministry, I understand is helping children learn about the church 
both your particular congregation and the larger church as the body of Christ. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the unique ways that you're in ministry doing that? So it happens in a lot of different ways. It's, um, you know, it's a slow unfolding from like our youngest children coming in and exploring sacred space and seeing the people who are involved in sacred space and the space itself. It's working to make sure the language we use about the church is about more than a building, but about the community gathered. Hmm. Um, it's introducing folks to our local and international mission partners. But my favorite project happens in our fourth and fifth grade class, where we spend a whole unit trying to figure out what is the church. And their job is to figure out what makes a church faithful and what will be the same and different when the tr- in 50 years from the day that they they um, write this statement. And so yeah. that has been enlightening every year <laughs> that the oh, students sure. do it. As they as they work out what will be the same and what will be different. Right, right. Can you share with us a little bit about what you've heard or what you've learned and what they can teach us? Well, absolutely. Um, I brought up one of the one of the documents one of the classes wrote, and um, I I still it's it's powerful every time I read it because um, we say at all times the church's job is to. And they said to teach people about God and God's word, especially about Jesus. They were all like, we understand that is important to us. I was like, thank goodness. Um, To worship God together, to help our neighbors when they are hungry, cold, sick, alone, afraid, or in need, no matter their age, gender, race, social status, or even someone else's religion. To teach children about God's love and make sure that they are safe. To help parents and families when they don't know what to do. And help each other when we are hungry, cold, sick, alone, afraid, grieving, or sad. And um, I can't think of a better list of what, like, if the church lived into that list, I, pretty amazing. So that's what they they drew out of their interviews with different church leaders and 50-year members and looking at different ministries of the church. That's very powerful. I, I kind of wonder what, what it would be like to ask, like, a session that same question and and see what what they would come up with and what the you similarities know, or differences. I, we they presented that to our session and I think session was equally like kind of um, taken taken by it. But one of the things I love about working with kids is how honest they are about things mm-hmm. like to help people and families when they don't know what to do. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. We don't usually just say that flat out. <laughs> so right, right. Exactly. There's an honesty to it that call, I think, challenge some sessions to be a little bit more honest and like, what is it that we do? There has always been some criticism, I think, of children's sermons as opportunities to show off the children in worship and sometimes even laugh at their creative or quirky answers to some of our questions. And we're certainly trying to avoid doing that, but they, they do have a lot to teach us. As you said, they're they're very honest. What are some of the important things that you've learned from the children you serve or important things we can all take from from what you've heard? I think um, I think the most important thing I, I learn from children every single week I work with them is a wonder at the stories that we get to tell, like stories of scripture and the stories of our community. I think we get really... Uh, dismissive. I think about the first time I get to tell the story of walking through the Red Sea. Mm. And I know when I teach that to adults, we get caught up in all of the details of like, well, how could it happen? Or was it really Reed Sea? Or was it this? Or was it that? And they don't 
need to question the story. They need to live into it. And so it's, I wonder if a school of fish got separated. I wonder yeah. if, um, if like a shark was chasing on one side, if the fish made it away on the other side. I wonder if the dolphins could jump over the space. Um, I wonder if they even looked at the water in the sides or if they were just trying to get through really fast. I wonder if anyone tripped on a starfish, right? Mm. I don't, I hadn't thought about those things. <laughs> you know, the questions about Noah's Ark was like, where where would the walruses have stayed? Because mm -hmm. God would have cared about the walruses and they need time on land and time in the water. And like, was there a platform? And it's like, well, scripture is unclear on that, <laughs> on that <laughs> issue. But to be able to approach God with that wonder mm -hmm. um, and, and a willingness to not know, like to live into mystery sometimes, mm -hmm. I think is, is a challenge for adults and children do that flawlessly. You know, I think sometimes when I when I lead children's messages, I'm always really careful because when a child answers a question, they answer earnestly. And so sometimes they will say the funniest thing in the entire world and you look at their face and they are not saying it because it's funny. They're saying it because it is it is true. Um, and so we, you know, there was a moment when somebody said, what does a saint look like? And the one of the children named a member of the, the saints football team, which... <laughs> Right. Like that's what a saint looks like. And people chuckled and he just looked so confused because it was like, no, this is what a saint looks like. And yeah. there was a moment for conversation after that. So I think there's always, there's a beauty in hearing that initial honest response mm -hmm. and then getting to sit present with them. But yeah. Oh, they're funny. Every week there's something great. <laughs> right. Right. But for them, like you said, it's not, necessarily funny it's no it's, it is it is an honest earnest oh, answer yeah, yeah. and i always think if we made all of our session members sit on the front of the church steps and we said so what do you think about moses right. it, they might say some funny things too <laughs> yeah, exactly but i also lo love the way that you brought up the the wonder piece yeah. and as you described the conversation about the red sea that it was them wondering Mm -hmm. um, and I'm aware that we as adults don't do as much of the wondering. In yeah. fact, it made me think about how we go to a Google search, which is not a wonder. No. It's, it's a search for an answer and how much we could learn within our ministries about that wonder, wondering about how we can be in community with each other. And, and wondering allows the other person to respond, right? Like if you have a Google answer, then it's a fight over which fact is right Correct. versus yeah. Yeah. we all agree something amazing happened and God did something amazing with Moses and the people. But how did that look? We don't have a picture. And when they're talking to each other about it, it builds. We were we, in a, one of our classrooms, we were talking about the story of the Good Shepherd and, you know, how far would the good shepherd go to find that that one lost sheep? Right. And, you know, could could the good shepherd go all the way to outer space? We're like, well, what do you, does the good shepherd need to train to be an astronaut? And they're like, that's a silly question. And then somebody said, no, it's not. Like mm -hmm. a sheep could get lost that far away and the good shepherd would still find them. And it was like, it was like, okay, here's our back and forth. <laughs> like, yeah. we are. Yeah. We are diehard Good Shepherd people. So. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so, Rachel, our listeners are spiritual leaders. Mm -hmm. Many serve as ruling elders and deacons within their congregations. Are there things that 
you wish these leaders knew or remembered as they serve in ministry? Or are there things that maybe the children could uh, help them know or remember as they serve? I think for me, one of the most important things about being church is that we're a body and that we cannot be a whole body without every part. And so the minute we think we can be church without our two-year-olds, um, we've, we've, we've lost part of our foot, right? Um, or I'm not sure where would the two-year-old be in the body of Christ? <laughs> Maybe the adrenaline <laughs> pumping through. Um, and I think that that ability to see and recognize the present gifts of a child, not just the potential gift of a child is, is incredible. And I think as for church leaders, there's that to say like, all right, so what is it that our, our five-year-olds bring to the life of the church? Our, our nine-year-olds, um, you want to talk about justice, your nine-year-olds are going to be the, the ones to teach you, right? Mm-hmm. But also grace, I think, in talking to young parents and young caregivers as they're trying to walk with their children through mm-hmm. all of this growth and all of this faith and are looking for people to walk with them. Um, and so I think there's an incredible hunger with our young families to be in community that that models welcome and models care and models that sort of like almost uncertainty in the world that is very certain <laughs> to say like okay how do we how do we breathe together and how do we be together not necessarily how do we um perform together. And I think if church leaders could do a little bit with that, it would be incredible. I think there's something to say there about the importance of who they are right now, that it's not just we want children in the church for the sake of growing the church, Mm -hmm. but we want children in the church because of who they are right now at this time, when they're nine years old, when they're five years old. And it's not that they're the future of the church. They are part of our church. I love 100%. I love you bringing that up about parts of the body. We, so, we, we need them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If we asked children, and, and maybe you've done this, what is the role of those church leaders? So um, as part of our fourth and fifth grade project, they get to interview our elders, deacons, and trustees of our church um, to try to figure out what their jobs are. And it's always entertaining to see like which which group thinks which group, like what everybody does. And then the kids all get to choose which board they would most want to serve on. And uh-huh. it's it's always humorous to see how that divides out <laughs> depending on right. the elders and deacons and trustees. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love when they were talking about what the role of a ruling elder is, um, they talked about making hard decisions and making good decisions with one another. And um, I will have to give incredible props to all of my elders from from our prez who came to speak to them that that's what they picked up, is that these are members of the church who were selected because they are wise and caring and thoughtful. And their job is to say, in a world of so many decisions, what's the right decision for the church today? And so... That's a that's a heavy that's a heavy mantle, <laughs> but yeah. also a, a beautiful one, right? That discerning body, oh, very beautiful. So, is the kind of some of the format that you use that they the ruling elders come and 
talk with the children about what they do and then the children give sort of their perception or what they heard about that? Yes. So they get to interview. We break them into teams. So they have an elder, a deacon, and a trustee. And then the kids interview, the students interview them and ask, you know, what, why, why do you, why were you asked to do this job in the church? What's the most important thing you do in your work? Um, how would you describe your job? What was an important moment? Like when, when were you faithful in your work? And so then they come back from that. And um, it's always entertaining because our deacons get to deliver flowers and prayer shawls. And so everyone's like, I want to be a deacon. You can do like arrange flowers and deliver them and visit people who are, who are sad. And, and like, I don't know, the other people make decisions and deal with money and property. Um, but uh, one of our trustees did talk about changing the giant light bulbs in the sanctuary, which did, acquire a whole unique sub-following of a future oh, trustees sure. and building members. Oh, that, that is wonderful. And I love the kind of the aspect of inspiring call, even yeah. at, at that point in time. You know, one of the reasons that we do this podcast is an aspect of ecclesial formation yeah. being forming leaders for the PCUSA throughout the span of years, not just for a time that that somebody is in service. And so I love that idea of thinking about it when they're that young. And and it gives them a vocabulary for that, right? That people are called to different offices of the church. It gives them a language and it also lets them see different types of leaders of the church. Because I think students often in fourth and fifth grade have seen Sunday school teachers, they've seen pastors, maybe choir members, but all those other, you know, the kids that are like, well, I'm, that's not me. Where do I fit? Right. And to, to constantly be showing the space where they, they belong um, and are needed. That is so cool. I, I would hope that maybe out of this podcast episode, somebody somewhere in a congregation might say, our congregation could do that. You know, even congregations that have few children and maybe don't have sort of the structure of ruling elders, deacons, and trustees, but they certainly have some aspect of that, those leadership roles and how they could be in conversation, again, with children who this is where they are right uh, now. And they get to see the mystery of how the church works, and they all yeah. want to understand how those pieces fit together and come apart mm-hmm. and it's a great multi-generational activity. Yeah. Any size church could do that conversation. I just continue to love the way that you brought in sort of that parts of the body of Christ and how all of that is important. And I think the the way you're talking about these intergenerational conversations just really, really highlight the importance of that. I think sometimes as adults, and particularly maybe as ruling elders and deacons and as pastors, we might get caught up in those roles and not think about the breadth of the body and how important everybody is. Yeah, it's funny. I have a friend that's a firefighter and he said the first time he realized what it meant to be a firefighter was when he went to a kindergarten class with all of his gear on and the kids were like, you are a firefighter. And he was like, oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, I'm a firefighter, right? And it it took that. And I think Mm -hmm. that's sometimes what kids can also when you tell the story of your call and it doesn't need to be God spoke to me on a mountain, but like the literal call when somebody said, we think 
you have the gifts to be a leader in the church, that's that's life changing for a child who says, I don't know how I fit, right? Yeah. But I can see how you fit. Okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that is that is very, very beautiful. I love it. Thank you, Rachel, so very much for being with us today, inspiring us, bringing us this bit of joy, because it really has been very nourishing. You've given us a lot to think about, and you've kicked off season two in splendid fashion. Yay! Yay, ruling elders! As the daughter of a ruling elder, I'm always excited (laughs) to to hear all the good things that they're up to. Exactly. So we thank you for your ministry and for being a part of the formation of so many as we watch God's movement in the church and in the world. So thank you for being here today with us and sharing that, Rachel. Thank you so much, Martha. We hope that you have been nourished through this episode of Along the Road. You're invited to visit the website for PCUSA Leader Formation for additional nourishment for ruling elders and deacons pcusa.org slash leader dash formation. This has been the Along the Road podcast. We look forward to crossing paths with you again soon.